writing notes of what we get to each week. So, because the next week I'm not going to remember. And I was like asking kids, like, what did we get to uh, last week? <laughs> Obviously, like, they don't know. Answers. Yeah, they don't know. So, I'm like <laughs> jotting down notes of like, if they get through everything, great, we're good to go. But yeah. if we get interrupted or we have to go outside or there's a fire drill, there's a fire drill, like, I need to write that down. So, hey, what's up, guys? This is Ben Landers. I'm the founder of the PEspecialist.com. And I just want to say thanks for being here. You're listening to the Fizz Ed Q&A show. I hope this is an awesome, valuable conversation that will help give you some ideas and answer some common questions around the field of physical education. If you want any links for things that we talk about or summaries, make sure to check out the show notes at thepespecialist.com slash podcast. And without further ado, let's get into the show. What's up, guys? Good to see everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Fizz Ed Q&A show. Marcus, how are you doing today? Doing great. How you doing, man? I'm doing good, man. It's good to be back. This is this is our first episode of the show of the uh, 2022 school year. We mm-hmm. did shoot one like right before school started. Right before school started, technology. Yeah. And this is also our first episode in my house. Yes. We have uh, scheduled it in the one time a week when my kids are at <laughs> dance and doing their, uh, you know, after school sports stuff. So yeah, it's beautiful, beautiful home. Hopefully they won't come home before we can get finished with this. <laughs> um, but hey, guys, we're going to start off the episode with a great five-star review from iTunes. And if you get a chance, if you do like the podcast, we'd love for you to um, head over there and give us a review. A rate and review. Yeah, rate and review for us. <laughs> This uh, review is, should we read that username? <laughs> Why not, man? Why not? Everybody does it. <laughs> this review is from Poopmaster0090. Um, fantastic resource. Love listening to the show. I have found myself listening on my way to and from school and would love to hear you guys talk about when all plans fail, like when your gym gets taken for picture day or whatever else, or it's raining outside and you are stuck in a classroom or a small space. Yeah, man. That happens a lot. I mean, that happens. Well, we're we're very lucky in that at our school they um, it doesn't happen too often for us, but it has happened where the gym is being taken either for election day or picture day or something like that. So you always have to have some activities in your back burner that you can do and take and use. And um, we'll we'll link up some of these things in the show notes for sure. But uh, one thing that you really want to have is because we are big on having music and all that kind of stuff, is having a portable speaker or something that you can take whenever you have to go somewhere else that you don't have to use your speaker system in the gym. So we have a, a tailgater and stuff like that that we can take, even a small little speaker. So kids are stay on the same task as far as music goes. When the music is on, they move. The music's not on, they do. But um, they listen. So, But having those small activities that you could do in classrooms uh, – one of the things that we like to do is uh, cup stacking. Um, cup stacking is a fun activity that you could do, and it's small and it's easy. You can do it any space. You can do it at any time, and there's lots of different things that you can do with cup stacking. So um, just having a backup plan always on there and having an activity that you can do regardless of what um, unit that you're in because you never know what's going to happen is having that. But two things that I like to do is just have an activity that we need to do and then have that music portable that I can take anywhere that I need to go with it. Yeah, that's a good, good call. We um don't get kicked out of our gym a whole lot, but I do have like some situations where if we have a student that 
is not um, doing what we asked him to do. We had to call for admin or something like that. Sometimes we'll have to get the rest of the class out of the gym. Yes. <laughs> so I always have to have yes. a backup plan in case that happens, like in case we have to get out of the room. And so I basically do what Marcus said. Like we have our portable speaker and our spot that we will usually go is the theater. And we have like a theater area. So that's actually a little bit better than a classroom because it's a little bit bigger. And you mm -hmm. can do, I mean, you can do a ton of stuff in there. Marcus taught in the theater for half the year last year, right? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So we had to switch back and forth um, during COVID um, where we only can have one class in the gym. And luckily we've had some, some new schools in our district that, I've shrinked our school size just a little bit. So we even have an extra 25 minutes for students to move and exercise. And we've done it in a portable. Um, if you clear out a portable, there's plenty of space in that portable that you can do. So we've have activities that we can do in a portable for students to do as well. But yeah, having that, like Ben said, having those activities on deck, having that portable speaker on deck, just being prepared ahead of time is going to help you anytime you have any situation like that. Yeah, and just knowing what you're going to do. Like, I, and I have a little um, set of line dances that I know I'm going to do, and it goes yes. along with the playlist. It's on my iPod. That's a good so, like, call. if I do get kicked out, my I can hail Mary. We're going to go do some line dances Correct. for a couple of classes, you yeah. know. Um, and I have, you know, age-appropriate ones for kindergarten through fifth grade. Mm -hmm. um, we do uh, – if we're in the theater, then that opens it up a little bit more. I've done, like, Hula Hut relays, Cross the River, Pass the Frog. Oh, yeah. Um, Pass the Frog is a really good one to do if, even if you're in a classroom. You can do that one. Um, and uh, if you're able to go outside – um, sometimes I'll just grab a couple of noodles and a couple of yarn balls and we'll go play a tag game like noodle dance tag or fire yeah. and ice, something that the kids already know. Mm -hmm. Um, so those are kind of my fallback plans. It's like getting the music, we get line dances, do tag for inside. We can do, um, something simple like line dancing. Yeah. So those are some of the basic ones. Um, you could also do, if you have some scarves, you could just have those like in a bag ready to go do some tossing and catching activities. Um, if you look at my YouTube channel, there's a video that I did during COVID, um, tossing tissues, a tissue yep. toss challenge. Yep. Easy. So yep. easy thing to do. You easy. know, even if you don't have scars, you just use like toilet paper, or box plastic of tissues, bags, plastic and, bags. Yeah, yeah. So I uh, yeah. of those things on there. If you're lucky enough to be in a classroom and they have a screen, you can do some of our follow the leader videos, our animated gifts, and some of those things like that. Um, those are are good activities in a small space, uh, especially. Um, a chance for you to walk through that stuff for students. So when they're at home and they need activities to do at home, that's a great chance for you to walk through um, and do some activities on there. I know during COVID, like when we, there's for times where they weren't there one day of the week, we would spend that Tuesday going through like, hey, here's how you access Coach Nones and uh, Coach Plemons activities, like giving them a chance to walk through and, and doing some, uh, some stuff like that as well. And then having a built time for, if you have to be kicked out of the gym to like do some cognitive stuff, yeah. like you can talk about health and get through and do some um, health, health related fitness components and talk about those and get in depth with those. If you need to spend a little bit of time with that, if you're playing a game and activity, you can spend that time going over the rules, going over the dimensions of the field because you, you assume that kids don't understand that stuff, but they don't. So it's a good time for you to talk about that stuff as well. Some, if you get kicked out of the gym, you can use that time to um, talk about the cognitive, talk about the effect of how to be a, a good team player, how to talk to each other, how to win, how to lose, how to handle all those different things. You can go over those different scenarios and play in different activities with those scenarios as well. Yeah, that's a good one. It's just if I mean, if you're in a classroom that doesn't have hardly any space for movement, you can just do a goal setting lesson like talk yeah. about smart goals related to your fitness unit yeah and learn about some health concepts um five components of fitness 
So there's a lot of stuff you can do. Um, you know, obviously I wouldn't want to have to do that every day. You, you don't want to do just straight cognitive stuff every day, but you're talking about a emergency plan. You can always go back on any of those things. So for sure, I think the main thing is just figuring out where you're going to go. Like yeah. thinking through where's the room in my school that I'm going to be able to go or where's the outside space where I'm going to be able to go yeah. and then kind of making a plan based off that, um, of what you can do for sure. Yeah. Kind of related to that. I want to hit this one. This was a, a question on Twitter from Mr. Rob at Robert surf sit. And he said, um, how often do you conduct class outside? Do you have any units that are only outside? Um, where I teach, I'm only outside. Um, but I know on the East Coast, gyms are usually where PE takes place due to weather. So, like, that's kind of like if you're getting kicked outside, here's some ideas. These are more um, less like emergency things and more things I would probably want to plan out because you're going to be taking equipment outside and stuff. Yeah. Um, but a few of our units, we – for the most part, we don't really. Do you guys have any good outside space? Not really. Not really. I mean, the bus loop, but yeah, I mean, not same really. For us. Yeah, yeah. The only place that we can go where kids aren't already at would be the bus loop, and I've gone out there a couple of times. Like when me and Marcus yeah. were working together, we did we a baseball a good, unit. We out had there. a good unit that out there. Fun. Yeah, that was fun. But it's not ideal because you're walk. You're wasting some time with the transition of walking the kids out there. Yeah. You're gonna walk all the equipment all the way from the gym, which is on the other side of the school, mm-hmm. and then the um, balls were always getting stuck in like the gutters and stuff <laughs> like that. So it's yeah, not there ideal. There was a lot going on, um, and then of course. You know, every car, bus, and butterfly that drives by is getting kids getting distracted. distracted yeah. Um, but if you can kind of plan it around good weather, the main issue with us is also weather. So so hot most of the year. Mm-hmm. Um, like this time of the year, in the fall, it would be perfect to perfect. Try to go yeah, it's beautiful outside right now. Yeah. Um, but I've done uh, frisbee outside, so doing our frisbee stuff, and we've got a couple of videos on that. If you want to see like our cues and things that we use for that. Um, and uh, that's great. I mean, you're doing like ultimate frisbee type games and doing frisbee station activities with the younger kids and just learn how to throw a frisbee um, because most of the time, you know, kids are going to be throwing the frisbee outside anyway. So it's a great setting and it gives you more room to spread out because spread out, yeah. when we're doing frisbee in the gym, sometimes I'm like, man, I wish we had a little bit more space. True, know? true. That's a great outside activity. Yeah. Um, like Ben was talking about striking with an implement, um, doing those activities where you require students to be spaced out so they don't hit each other. Being outside is a great activity for that. So tennis or baseball or softball or anything like that, um, those activities would be great for outside. Obviously, you can't do those all year long, but if you're outside for just a, a certain amount of time and you have time to plan for it and you can set up equipment for that, that would be a great time for you to do um, some of those striking activities where kids have tons of space where they can move around and 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 work on actually working on the skill and developing that love for it. So that there might be something they want to do outside of class. Yeah. If you got a blacktop area, four square is another classic one. Mm -hmm. Um, Gaga ball. If you have a place to do that, you can do, even if you don't have a Gaga ball pit, you can do like the modifications where you're using like a cone with the jump ropes to create the Gaga ball pit area. Um, There's a lot of modifications. If you just Google uh, striker ball, that's an easy modification you could use for Gaga ball. Um, and then jump rope too. Jump rope's jump great rope. if you got blacktop. I mean, you could do, probably do it on the grass, but it would probably be a little bit harder because your jump yeah, rope's going to keep it's, getting it's a little stuck bit tougher, on the grass. Yeah. But I mean, long rope is really good for outside because yeah, kids have true. plenty of space to move. Um, so if you are stuck inside, and, uh, out, excuse me, if you have to go outside and you have to do activities outside, that would be a great time to take those long ropes out there and give kids enough time to practice and, and do different things with those long ropes. So outside is a good time for that as well. For sure. Yeah. And then, I mean, honestly, most of the games we do could be done outside throwing and catching pretty much 
most of our throwing and catching games could be done outside. Yeah. Cross the river, mm-hmm. pass the frog again, hula hut relays, all those adventure bingo, all those um, team building games are good for outside too. So um, those are a few ideas for outside stuff. I wouldn't say, you know, there's units that you have to do always outside. Frisbee is probably the one where it probably is a little more fun outside because you just have more space, more space to move. And then like the striking with implements, if you got space to spread out, you can let those kids have an actual tennis racket instead of the small foam paddles, <laughs> you know, and feel more safe about yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, there's some ideas for that. A, a lot of that stuff's linked up on our resources page. So you can check all that stuff out if you're interested in it. Let's check out the next question. This question is going to be coming from our membership forums. So yeah, this, this question is, uh, is uh, coming from Sarah. She's talking about field day volunteers. She says, guys, I have a lot of field day volunteers this year. Uh, yes, yeah, so we do field day in the fall in Colorado. Pretty cool. I like that idea as well. I was wondering if you had any ideas for jobs to assign volunteers other than running some stations. Any creative ideas would be greatly appreciated. And that's coming from Sarah on our, our membership page. And uh, we have a, a tons and tons of great questions on our membership page. So if you are a member, take advantage and join that form and seeing those cool. If you're not, then check out the link below in the show notes about our uh, membership program where you get valuable, valuable bombs from awesome PE teachers. They're asking stuff every single day. So feel free to reach out on that. But uh, it's a great time to go over our, our sponsor of the podcast, Marcus. The membership program at <laughs> PEspecialist.com. You can get more information at the membership at PEspecialist.com slash info. Yeah. Thank you for sponsoring this episode. <laughs> <laughs> we appreciate it. But, you know, uh, Ben, you have some great ideas on there. So what are some things that you do for field day volunteers after you've filled up all the stations? Some good ideas on there. Yeah, so um, if you have questions or want to see kind of our overview of how we run field day, you can check out. Um, our blog post about that at the pspecialist.com slash field day. Um, but one of the first things we do is just assign stations. I like to have at least two or three parents at each station mm-hmm. if possible. And, you know, this question comes from somebody who's got a, a good phys ed culture, a good <laughs> parent involvement culture, which is not the case at many yeah. places. Many um, places. You're yeah. trying to get more volunteers. They have too many volunteers. It's awesome. Yeah. Um, but if you, if you can get more than one person at each station, I always tell my parents when they come, uh, the reason I double booked you guys is because I want you to have more hands to be able to help out. But also when you see your kid coming through, like go hang out with them, go take some pictures, go That's exactly around, what I was going to say. Yeah. If you need a bathroom break trade off. Yeah. Um, and so if you can do that, that makes it so much more enjoyable for the parents. Yes. And if it's more enjoyable for the parents, guess what's going to happen next year? They're going to want to come back. This <laughs> is the best day that they volunteered and they had the most fun. They're going to yeah. come back and do it again. So yeah. we're trying to get that customer service, give them that good experience. Um, but aside from that, uh, like doubling and tripling up at the stations, um, I've also had a water supplier. So like I would just have a, we always have a cooler with waters, but then the parents are kind of at that station mm-hmm. for a pretty long time. So I'd have one parent that would just literally have a five gallon bucket and they would drive around drive and just around. make sure everybody had water for that day, especially yeah. when it's a little bit hotter. Usually we try to do field day when the weather's nice, like in the springtime. Yeah. Um, so it's not as hot. Um, one of the best things I did was I had a parent that was a photographer and they had a nice iPhone and they just went around and took pictures. And then I had another parent who I gave my school iPod or iPad, excuse me. Mm-hmm. And they just both went hit around like different sides of the school and just rotated around and just had so many awesome pictures. That's, the uh, that's pretty cool. Um, so that was great. And then, you know, I just airdropped those to a Google drive folder and gave it to the yearbook committee. So then we had an awesome yearbook page for field day and we did a little slideshow. 
Um, cause it's like when you're running field day, it's hard to, it's hard to take those pictures take, yeah, throughout the day. Yeah. Especially getting things started and going in there talking about the water supplier. Like we were lucky enough. And again, our school is just so awesome. We're lucky enough to have the cool things that our different schools is that the water supplier had a golf cart. That's awesome. And they just <laughs> rode around on the golf cart and just like handed out waters and like checking on people and like doing those different things like that. So if you have those resources or if you, or you can modify those, you know, differently. Having those people do different things like that, those are some great ideas. Again, like we talk about all the time during our uh, field day or field day podcast, it's like making the experience so awesome for the volunteers that they want to come back. And doing those different things would be a great way to build that rapport with parents so that way they want to come back and you can get more and more parents because they know, man, if we go to field day, man, they treat us well. Like, mm-hmm. they they work us, but they treat us well. So got to get those, those are, repeat customers. Got to get those repeat <laughs> customers. But yeah, those are some great ideas. One more is a uh, nurse station. So like always having a place, probably depending on how big your field day is, you want to have one that's easily located for all the stations. All so the station, we have yeah. normally two stations set up because we kind of do field day, like in the middle of the school mm-hmm. and then out on our recess playground. Um, so we'll have like a band-aids, ice bucket, ice packs, and just basic stuff for that station. Yeah. And um, usually I'll put that station next to something that needs usually extra help, like our jump rope station. So I'll just tell that parent like, hey, I'm going to put you at the, as the nurse if a kid shows up. But if they don't show up, just help out with the jump ropes and you're going to be untangling jump ropes all day for all day. kindergarten, yeah. first and second graders. So, all right, next question. Another one from our membership page. This is coming from Eric. And this is on advocacy thoughts. Uh, He says, hello, PE fam. I was wondering if anyone knew of things they do currently to advocate for PE and their program. And would you be willing to share? One simple thing I do is put a public service announcement that summarizes the benefits of physical activity and states public health recommendations outside of my school's gymnasium. So I guess that would be like a poster Mm -hmm. um, that kind of goes over that stuff. And that's coming from Eric, a.k.a. Mr. R., Excellent. Yeah, those are some great questions. So the one thing that we always talk about when people ask us to to be advocates and stuff like that is um, making sure you put out what is going on in your gym. You are the the, you are your best PR rep. So um, we'll link up in the show notes. Uh, Ben has an awesome teacher tip series. And one of the one of the videos on there is being your own PR rep. But, you know, actively engaging on social media or sending out stuff to your principal that can put up on the website is a great way to show parents and show your community that you really care about what you're doing. Um, taking, taking pictures if you don't want to do videos or just doing different things and showing that what you're doing in class is quality physical education for people in the community to see is very, it's very important for you when you're trying to advocate for your program. Yeah. Basically if you don't, tell people what you're doing. Nobody's going to know True. the awesome things you're doing in PE class. Um, the app I like to use for that is Clips. So like if you guys have followed me on social, you'll see the cartoon filter that kind of blurs out blurs the kids' out faces, faces but yeah. still lets you see what they're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's what I usually use for videos. And then for photos, we have a, um awesome staff member at school that runs the social media accounts. So I just literally take the photos. I send them to her, and she like doctors them up and checks nice. the no media list and all that yeah. stuff and posts them to Facebook and Twitter. Nice. Um, and so that's really great. And I've it's great hearing feedback from parents who like, Hey, they're, they're like, I posted a picture of, uh, one of the kids climbing the rock wall yeah. and their parents saw it on Facebook. So when the kid gets in the car, they're like, Hey, did you have fun at PE? I saw you climbing the rock wall today. <laughs> 
Um, so that's just really cool. And uh, I think, you know, do anything you can put out in your school's newsletter, anything like mm-hmm. that is really great. Anytime I send pictures to our social media person, I also copy um, my admin and then that classroom teacher classroom for whatever teacher, class it yeah. is because yeah. then they might want to put it in their newsletter or share it with the parents or, or whatever. So the yeah. more stuff you can share about the cool things that you're doing, I think the better. Yeah. Um, you can even do like little assignments for your kids, especially younger kids like kindergarten, first grade, when you learn something new, like if we learn how to do shoulder taps or a squat or, you know, we learn how to do a different movement in gymnastics or a balancing challenge, I'll be like, hey, go see if your parents can do this and challenge them to it and see if they can do this balancing challenge. Mm -hmm. So then it's just something fun for them to go home and do. And then they're telling their parents about PE and the parents are realizing, oh, you're actually learning things in PE class because most likely that's not the experience that they had growing up. Correct. When they were in PE. Every time I hear, every time I hear something, they always it's always different than what we're doing in the class, and and well, I'm always telling kids like, go home and show your parents, and then we do the booster thon, like show it to your parents, like mm-hmm. if we do um, the fitness certificates, take it home, like hang this on the refrigerator, tell mom and dad about what you did in PE class today yeah. to earn this, these different things. So um, we're always talking about. Not only do we want them to be healthy for a lifetime, but we also want them to spread the message to the people that they live with, the community that they're in, that, hey, moving and exercising is something that you can do for a lifetime. And when you're doing that, you're spreading your word. You're spreading all the cool things that you're doing in class. Yeah, 100%. Um, The last thing I'll say on this is uh, if you want a really great example of this, the person who I wish – I was more like in this area <laughs> is uh, Mike Graham. Yeah, he's and awesome. His, his website's PE for every kid. Weebly.com, and we'll link it up in the show notes. But he does something called This Week in PE, and he literally just breaks it down every week what he's doing with his kids. And he posts like really great videos, all examples the yeah. all the time. Yeah. Um, it's just really cool for as a parent. I, I know I appreciate it when I know what my kids are doing at school. Like we're on this little photo sharing app with a couple of my kids classes and anytime the photos come it's just it's cool to see what your kids are doing yeah um but he, he just does a great job sets a great example for that and he's got you can see his archives of every um year what he's done every week of the year so that's a really cool documentation too of the learning that your kids are going through um so shout out to mike and uh, check that out if you want a good example of what like a newsletter type thing a pe newsletter type thing would look like yeah he's awesome he does great stuff all right, we'll jump to the next one. This one's from uh, Caleb. Caleb is, is uh, one of our members as well. He sent us an email. It says, hey, Ben and Marcus, I will be going into my third year teaching PE. Awesome. Keep it up. We need you. For, um, for my second year, I added a couple of new things, but for the most part, my units and activities stayed the same. My biggest question for year three is how often should I switch things up? Should I have some different units and activities on a two or three year cycle or should I keep my core units and activities in the same and allow for practice and growth? Have you found that kids stay engaged and have fun doing the same activities every year or you found this it's best to have some kind of rotation? I'm curious to get your thoughts on this. Okay, well, this is a great question. Um, we'll link up our podcast of um, how to uh, scope and sequence, how to f- uh, fit all things in, but you hit on point. Um, ben and I like to do the same activities each year, and then we like to rotate in some different things that we can't get to each year. Uh, basically, basically, it's based off of 
student interests and things they have things in the community. So we have a big soccer uh, community. We have a big basketball community. We have a lot of different things that students have access to right there. So we try to hit on those activities each year because that's what they have access to outside of PE class. And then we just like to sprinkle in some different things that might engage students um, like a Frisbee unit or a gymnastics unit or something like that that they don't normally get a chance to use that may spark their interest. Um, so we do a combination of both. We have our core throwing and catching different things that are essential for students to learn. And then we like to also sprinkle, sprinkle things in here year after year. So that way kids um, get a chance to experience some different things as they grow in our program. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I was going to say we could talk a whole podcast about this, but we already did. <laughs> um, so we yeah, sure can. Check that out. We kind of broke it down pretty good. But um, that, I think it also depends on how much you see your students. Like one reason that me and Marcus have to rotate things in is because True. we just have that once a week PE. True. We got 38 classes a year. True. So you just don't have time. Like when I laid out my year this year, I was just like, man, this stinks. Like I wish I could get that tennis unit in this yep. year, but I don't have time. I got to do it next year. <laughs> I got to do it next year. Got to do the spike ball unit next year. Mm -hmm. um, because last year I didn't get to do, um, what was it? One of the units that we didn't get to do last year. I'm like, I got to make sure I get that in this year. Correct. Um, so, you know, you just, you just, you fit it in if you can, like if you see your kids every day, then I think it'd be really great for you to have like a structured curriculum where you, you can fit all the units that you want to fit in. Yeah. And then you just repeat that same thing every year. Um, your question about uh, would kids get tired of doing the same activities year to year? If you, if you do it like we do, where it's like you have a unit and you're playing like a different game or an activity each lesson, yeah. think about from your kid's perspective, the most they're going to repeat that game is like maybe next year, year after that, yeah. like second, second, third, fourth, fifth grade. So your yeah. kids might play the same game four times in four years. Yeah. They're, they're not, not going to get tired of it. Of it. <laughs> they're going to like walk in and be like, yes, I've been yeah. waiting for this one. Thank Every goodness. time. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I don't think your kids will get tired of it. And I think that if you kind of structure your games in a way where like second grade might play the same game, but it's going to be a lot harder for fifth grade because you add in different modifications and variations and levels yeah. to make it more appropriate for them. And then that just adds to the excitement because they, they understand already how to play the game. Most of the kids do if they've been at your school and they've kind of been in your PE program, but now they're getting to do it at a different level. They're yeah. getting to have more um, choice or more freedom or more yeah. uh, skill challenges added on there. So yeah. um, I, I definitely think, it depends on how much you see your kids. If you're like me and exactly. Marcus, you know yeah, that two or three exactly. year rotation is what you got to do. Exactly. Um, because you just don't have time to fit you it in. Time to fit it in. But yeah, that's that's on point right there. I mean, I'm, I've been we've been doing this 13. You've been doing it a lot more than I have. But like, I've never done that activity. And kids are going, oh man, we've done this before. <laughs> no, they're always excited to do the activity. Yeah. But you know, every everybody's situation is a little bit different. So. Um, but like Ben said, you, know, you just got to gauge it on how often you see your kids and mm -hmm. um, what kind of time you have with them. But they love doing – I mean, if they can do some of the activities every week, they would do it every week. I was say, we had – like last week I had kids being like, can we play this next week? I'm like, yeah. man, I wish. But I wish if we, we do that, then we're not going to get to play the next game. So <laughs> got to keep moving. It's always something. Yeah, but yeah, yeah it's true. That's a, a, a good point for sure. Time is our biggest enemy. Yeah, <laughs> true that. It's the hardest one. <laughs> Um, all right, so we got a question from Adam Traxler. Mm -hmm. uh, he said, hey there, I was wondering how you stay organized. Do you have a certain place for things like your IPs, your subfolder, your emergency binder, your fitness data? This is my third year of PE, and organization is a big challenge for me. How do you go about organization? 
So there's a couple of ways that I try to organize things. There's your 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 hardware stuff as far as like your IEP, subfinders, emergencies, and then you have your online organization uh, as far as like lesson plans and you know videos and pictures and stuff. So basically, what I try to do with IEPs and sub and stuff like that is have it within reach when I need it, and then. As you get more used to teaching students with IEPs and 504s, you you can start to see where those students are and you plan your lessons and stuff around uh, some of the stuff that they're doing. So you have a better idea of like, this kid, I need to make sure he's right in front of me or Mm -hmm. this kid, I need to make sure they stay away from that kid or something like that. So you want to have that hardware stuff where you it's in reach of you, but it's not in the way. So I usually have it in a drawer or I have it hanging up next to the clipboard or I have it somewhere where I can access it when I can look at it, but it's not in the way of my everyday thing. And then online stuff, you need to uh, try to do a good job of organizing your Google Drive folder. Or if you have a hardware folder on your computer, you want to have things organized in a way that you can access it. So anytime I try to organize something, I just want to make sure that I have things organized in a way where I have access to it when I need it. And it's not in the way of doing that. So as you as you do more practice, you'll live and learn about, hey, this is this is what works for me, which doesn't work for you. But the more practice, if you have a, a mindset of like, I want to keep these things organized, I want to have it where I need to be, that's going to help you while you're in the midst of teaching to make sure you keep everything organized. Yeah, that's good. And and the longer you go, the more you organize stuff better and better. Like yeah. for me, it's like I got clear bins now for like, I have a clear bin Important. for my fitness unit and yeah. all my fitness stuff, my kids' goals, sheet, worksheets, yeah. all my certificates and all that stuff goes in there. Yeah. And then I have another bin for all my station signs. So anytime we're doing a new unit, I pull out the station signs related to that unit that we're doing. And I have another yeah. bin with like the slips that the station signs go in. Um, and the, like Marcus says, pretty similar for, and, and I just wanted to clarify, if you don't know what an IEP or 504 is, that's like True. special accommodations for kids that, might have a disability or they might just have a special need um, like ADHD or they need to be close to the front or they need extra time on a quiz or something like that. Um, And so what I do at the beginning of the year, this takes, this is like the biggest time suck of the whole start of the year is working through the giant stack of IEPs (laughs) that we get every year because you get everybody in the whole school. So they just hand you this giant stack. Um, And luckily for me and Marcus, we've been at the school for a while. So a lot of the kids, you know, a lot of, figuring out how to accommodate for students is getting to know the student. Yeah. So a lot of them we already know. So when I see like a five page IEP and I already know the student and I had the same, they had the same accommodations last year. I'm like, oh, okay, this isn't as stressful because I know how to I know accommodate how for the yeah. student. Mm-hmm. Um, but what I do is I summarize the IEP. So out of those five pages, what really applies to me and my PE class. So preferential seating, um, and that might mean they need to sit close or it might mean they need to sit in the very back and have room for rolling around on the ground because yes. that's what their accommodation is. Yes. Um, so it just depends on the kid and what the IP is, if they need extra time on something. Um, and even if it's something that you probably won't see as much, like they need extra time on a math or an English test, I still want to have like a summary of that just so I'll know 
if we're doing any reading or if we're doing any kind of math games or anything like that, yeah. I'll just know you want to have that information in front of you on your roster because then you can kind of keep an eye on that student and help them out if, if you think they're falling yeah. behind or if they need help or they need clarification or something. Yeah. Even um, if you're like explaining an activity, like you know, yeah. like this kid, I mean, he's going to take a little bit more time to understand what's going on. So like after you explain the activity, I always like to follow up with those students privately, not in front of everybody, but just yeah. privately like, hey, are you good? Do you need any, mm-hmm. you need more any further instruction or anything like that? And so that's what the things you'll learn after you know time teaching and stuff like that. And what's another good thing as far as like having a double class in there is when the other teacher is teaching, you can follow up with those students. Yeah. You can make sure that the the students who have accommodations are taken care of while the other teacher is teaching or making those modifications for those students. So having a double class and having another teacher in there is another great way to keep things organized and to make sure that students are, are able to do the things that they need to do. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, after I summarize my IPs, which is just like a little summary at the bottom of my roster, mm-hmm. I just put them in folders by day. So like all yeah. my Monday kids will be in one folder that's labeled Monday IPs, and then I stick all the day folders in one spot. And then like on my sub, you asked about, uh, what do you do with, with your subfolder? My subfolder is literally like hanging on a clip right by my door. <laughs> right so by it's the PE door. subfolder. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then in that it says, hey, if you want to know any of the IPs, I have them summarized on my roster, but also the the whole plan is located in this little area right here on my desk. Yeah. Um, but honestly, a sub is never going to have the time <laughs> to go through your yeah. folders of IEPs are never going to do that. They're going to be already overwhelmed trying to figure out what, what the game do, is yeah. they're doing, which kids are going to see what their schedule looks like, mm-hmm. pulling equipment out. Um, so, you know, that I have it there because we're supposed to have it there, but I don't think that yeah. it's ever going to get utilized by anybody but me. Yeah. Our subfolders um, is basically like you have the lesson plan on one sleeve and then you have rosters and then you have IEPs, accommodations on there, and then you have your class schedule is – um, stapled on top so that way if a sub walks in they know the roster they know like that but then like classroom teachers like have like how kids are getting home but we don't have to worry about that so we just have them all set up lesson plan on one side and then on the other side all of the maintenance and accommodation stuff is on that side yeah good stuff um all right we got a quick one here from james he said uh <laughs> hula huts what a disaster this week was as students were trying to create hula huts. They couldn't create them. It could be the odd shaped hula hoops we have, but nothing they did worked. I couldn't do it either. <laughs> um, yeah, it's definitely a lot harder if you have different sizes. Different size. Hoops. You kind of have the same you size. You can add a little difficulty and in, in problem solving to your kids if you throw a few different size hoops in there. <laughs> um, the main thing is you want to have the walls and the front door, back door be the same size. And if you yeah. had like an odd shaped hoop, you could put it on the bottom or on the top. Yeah. And it would probably work out. Yeah. Um, but when we play, we have, we do have all the same size hoops. We, we are lucky we enough. use uh, 30 or 24 inch. I used usually use 24 inch. 24. Those are the smaller ones. Yeah. If you have the 36 inch ones, um, those are like really big. So those would be a little bit easier for the kids to go through. Yeah. That's why I use the 24 because it's just a little bit a little tougher, bit, a little yeah. bit more of a challenge for them yeah. to get through there. But yeah, it's got to be side by side at the top. Those front door's got to be inside the floor for the most part. But yeah, it, it takes a little bit of time. And, you know, um, when we do hula huts, 
uh, especially if we have a class that's difficult doing it, we'll give them some time just to practice before we do relays, just to practice on doing this. That way you can walk around and give them feedback on like, hey, you've got to hold this side by side at the top. So that way students have a chance to practice before they get into the activity. But, yes, yeah, side by side is crucial at the top. Yep. All right, next up. Next up, keeping lessons fun. This is from our membership um, as well. Hello, hope you guys are, are doing well. I currently teach kindergarten. I was wondering if you had any tips in regards to keeping our lessons fun. It may be due to their moods on certain days or whatnot, but sometimes one or two students tell me that certain games we are playing are boring. Does that ever happen to you guys as well? What should I do to keep everything we do to uh, we play fun and active shot to the heart <laughs> you're telling me this activity is boring Man. Um, I, you know i think for the most part uh when i'm hearing that i'm like man that does, that's not like a huge problem but i do have kids that don't want to play sometimes i do yeah. have kids that especially if we're doing an activity that's not as popular like if you're doing a dance or if you're doing gymnastics mm -hmm. you might have some kids that don't like that um so, you know, there's always going to be a few students that, that you are you require a little bit more work and care and a little extra TLC. Um, but, like, if a kid ever said that to me, like, hey, I don't like this, this is boring, I would probably just ask them, like, what do you not like about it? Like, put it back on them and try to understand what it is that that is not engaging to them or what it is that they don't like about it. And sometimes it's the kid feels unsuccessful at it, so they're not very good at it. And I always try to talk to them about hey the the way that we can get better at it is we have to play like that's yeah, the only way to get practice, better we're yeah, not gonna yeah. play if we're sitting out yeah. we're not putting any effort in mm -hmm. um and then if it's if it's something else like sometimes when we do gymnastics i'll have some boys that are like man i'm never gonna use gymnastics or whatever and then i just go back to the relating that to the why of why we're doing it mm -hmm. and so for them like hey you like basketball, right? Or you like football, right? Depends on what your kids are into. So you, if you relate it back to helping them be successful at what they're into, then that's a good way to kind of get a little bit more engagement out of them. So if we're doing gymnastics, if you like football, gymnastics is going to help you get stronger. It's mm -hmm. going to help you increase your balance and your flexibility. And guess what? That's going to make you better at basketball too. Correct. Isn't that awesome? It's going to help you be a better athlete. Correct. Um, so kind of just knowing how to relate the content that you're teaching to whatever it is that the kids are interested in to might be one of the keys that you can kind of try to unlock. But again, some kids, man, it just, just yeah. depends on the kid. You yeah. gotta, you gotta get to know the kid and the reasons why they feel the way they do. It's also in your delivery as well. When you're presenting activities, if you don't seem engaged or excited about the activities, then those students might not feel like it as well. So I'm trying to use car salesmen, everything that we're doing, <laughs> not only for, for students, to enjoy it, but like to, to let them know that I enjoy doing it as well. So um, your delivery and the way that you you present the activities and the lessons can go a long way to um, making sure students are enjoying it and, and enjoying the activities as well. Yeah, for sure. Um, all right, next up from Haley Fishback. She said, hey, Ben, I bought many of your resources and found them very helpful. Uh, I've taught PE for 11 years now, five of them as elementary and the other six as a K-12. Wow. That's a big range right there. Big K range. Um, my question is I have six or seven classes a day varying from K-5 
as I know most every elementary teacher does. I'm diligent about jotting a few things down, reminders in between classes to help me remember how far we got in each lesson, what we went through, what I need to improve on, kids I need to help, etc. I've been keeping it in a regular notebook and was just wondering if you created a tracking sheet or have a sheet that you made where you keep track or reflect on each day, each class's daily progress. It's so time intensive, intensive to go back and look at each teacher's class period from the previous day. I know there's got to be a better system out there. Um, so, yeah, this is like hard to yeah. keep track of everything. Yeah. I, was, I was thinking about this today, actually. Just like, I wish I could just put my clipboard down. And just play the game with the kids and yeah. just not worry about any data or data, any data. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so, but yeah, one of the things I'll do um, is, and, and you can see a kind of an overview of this on our grades page, um, which is pspecialist.com slash grades, is on my roster sheet, which is just a one pager, I have, you know, uh, behavior codes for different behaviors. And mm -hmm. I'll also write like a plus or a minus or skill if kids are highly skilled or lower skilled. So I'll know like which kids need more help. I don't know how to evenly split teams up and stuff like that. Um, but usually I just make a small note of what we got to that day in the lesson. Correct, yeah. If we didn't get through the whole lesson. But if we got through the whole lesson, I'll just write like we did hula huts or we yeah. did whatever. And yeah. I know that I know what that lesson was supposed to be. Mm -hmm. But if we didn't get to a certain thing, I'll be like, they only made it to level one or they only got to play one time. Um, and then if there's things that I need to make sure I revisit, I'll usually just put a post-it note on that classes roster yeah. so then the next week when i get that class because otherwise i just forget about it forget about it. Yeah, yeah for sure that was um, that was a big thing i was gonna add like and we'll uh obviously share in the, in the show notes how our rosters look but like on that side i'm writing notes of what we get to each week so because the next week i'm not gonna remember and i was like asking kids like what did we get to uh, last week <laughs> obviously like they don't know yeah they don't know so i'm like <laughs> jotting down notes of like if they get through everything great we're good to go but yeah. if we get interrupted or we have to go outside or there's a fire drill there's a fire drill yeah. like i need to write that down so that's the the easiest way that we do for daily reflections and the other thing that i do is after i get done and if you print out your lesson plans or like me i just keep mine uh, I don't print mine out. I keep it on the computer. If I, there's something that consistently happened for each class and I need to make sure I note down, I'll just drop that down on my lesson plan as I'm get preparing for the next week or anything like that. So I want to make sure I keep track of a daily progress and a weekly progress as well as far as like, hey, we got to three-fourths of this lesson this week because what we did at the beginning was a little bit longer. So mm -hmm. just want to make sure I'm tracking and making sure that I'm keeping myself organized. But that daily um, each week, jotting down what you get to each week is the best way that we we keep ourselves organized. Yeah, that's true. I didn't even think about that. Is like you got your lesson plan. Yeah. If it's something that's happening every year, like every year you have picture day during your throwing unit, yeah. or you have, you know, field day, and then it gets messed up by this fundraiser that happens every year. Or the state testing. A, yeah. Right state <laughs> testing. Yeah. Making a note of that in your lesson plan. If you're going to be teaching that thing, you know, in a similar time frame the mm -hmm. next year of what you did to solve it is just a way to like be kind to your future self. Correct. So then when you look at that next year, you're like, oh yeah, I forgot about that. I'm glad I can like prep for that this year and be ready for it. Oh yeah. Um, so, uh, you know, me and Marcus both like throughout the week when we're teaching, we'll red pin our lessons. And then mm -hmm. at the end of the week, we go back and like make edits and make them a little bit better each year. Strike out and bold what works when yeah. doesn't. Yeah, for yes. sure. Always, always trying to get better. Always trying to figure out ways to maximize the time that we have. 
All right, this next one comes from Twitter. This is from P.E. with Mrs. B. Always good when your Twitter handle rhymes, man. Mm-hmm. That's a good one. Yeah, a nice little <laughs> jingle to it. A little jingle to it. With such a great, uh, with such great PE resources online, yours included, I now find myself recreating my elementary PE program, which is great. But do you have any tips on how you organize and manage all the uh, new fun things you learn from other professionals to not get overwhelmed? Yes, so hard, so hard. Again, that's the and the main <laughs> thing is like the time. Yeah, like once you get, I feel like your first few years teaching. You're like, I don't have enough ideas to fill the time that I have with these kids. And then now like, you're after like, like five or six years, you're like, I don't have enough time, time to, to get, get these to, ideas yeah. to these kids. I'm like, oh, I forgot about this. Yeah. I'm like, I forgot about that. But yeah. Um, so I mean, they, and especially now with social media, there's so many ideas bouncing around and so many yeah. cool things you can do. What I do is just for my own mental sanity and uh, my own like ability to focus is when I see something cool that I think I might use in the future. Um, I just log it with Google keep, which is like such a, a great resource, yeah, yeah. which is like a bookmarking tool. And, um, I think I did a video on that on my, um, tech tools blog posts. We'll link, it up, we'll link sure. that up. And I originally heard about, or originally, um, got that idea from Kevin Tiller, who also did a video about how he does it. And basically what, it, what it is is you just hit the share button, you open it in your Google keep app. And then you create labels, which is basically like folders mm-hmm. to drop everything into. So you'll have a label for that content area, like throwing and catching. You can add two labels if it's like a throwing and catching and a team building game. Yeah. And then you drop it in those two folders. So then anytime you had like an extra day or if you just wanted to look at your ideas for a certain specific unit that you wanted to like mix it up or add some new things to, you can just open that Google Keep label yeah. of throwing and catching or of team building. And you've sure. just got all these awesome ideas that you have gathered over the last five years on any social media app and then you can log anything that has a link. So as long as you get the link for it, mm-hmm. you can log it in Google keep. So that's what I use to do that. Yeah. And anytime that I'm getting ready to start a lesson or I got an outlier or something like that, I need to, I'm always hopping on Google keep to just like, Hey, let me check out this, uh, locomotors or something like that, that I've tagged locomotors or a tag game. Let me tag something that, uh, let me check my Google keep to see, because, I mean, there's, I, as you said, there's overwhelming and so many great PE teachers out there sharing so many great ideas that having something organized is going to keep you organized as well. But, like, having that stuff tagged and, and prepped, that was, that's going to help you keep things fresh, keep things good, and, you know, and you can always access it later when you need it. 100. All right, one more question. Let's hop this last one. All right. Let's do it. The kids are home. <laughs> we got we to gotta squeeze the last one in. All right, let's get it in real fast. All right, uh, this one comes from uh, Jamie. This is on uh, Twitter as well. Great tips and reminders for everyone. Timeout versus penalty box. Do you have a separate area for these two consequences? What language or space are you using to differentiate between a minor rule infraction during a game? and a student being disruptive? Yes. That's a great question. Yeah, so one thing um, that I've found really helpful is, uh, and we call it penalty box. If you've seen like a couple of my game videos, you might have mm-hmm. heard that term. That's if you break a rule during a game. And then like the refocus area is if you have a behavior issue where you're Correct. breaking one of our expectations for our yes. class. Like you're talking to your instructions or you're not following uh, directions or you're putting your hands on people. people yeah. um, and so what I wanted to do is just create something that was 
undesirable that would take you out of the game, but also didn't make you feel like you were getting in trouble. Like you're not going to timeout. So we call it the penalty box kind of just taken from hockey. And basically if you break a rule during, I think I actually got this idea from JD Hughes. I think so too. If, I, yeah. if I'm not mistaken, yeah. but um, basically they go out and they just, if they break a rule during a game, they count 60 Mississippis. Or if it's like little kids, you can just have them do their ABCs, ABCs if yeah. they don't know how to count yet. Um, and then they come back in. And then um, if you see somebody break a rule during a game, you cannot come and talk to me before you go to the conflict corner. <laughs> conflict corner. So for usually sure. what happens is like if I see Marcus stepping over a line or breaking a rule, I'll be like, hey, you stepped over the line. And he'll be like, no, I didn't. I'm like, can we go to the conflict corner? He's like, all right, I'll go to the penalty box. Because yeah. he knows he's going to waste more time at the conflict corner. Mm-hmm. And then we're going to have the same result. He's going to still have to go count. And he just takes ownership, takes responsibility, takes and goes over there. For it. Yep. Um, you, can, you can actually create any kind of penalty box that you want. Like uh, this week we're playing Pirates of the Caribbean, mm-hmm. which is like a throwing, catching game similar to Battleship. And so if the kids fall into the ocean, so they like fall off the mat or they fall off their scooters, which would be the same thing as like if you stepped over a line when you're throwing, they have to go through Davy Jones' locker. So instead of doing a penalty box where they count on the wall, they just have to climb across the rock wall to earn their way back into the game. Yeah. So you could have any kind of skill challenge too if you wanted to for breaking a rule just to like have some kind of filter there where kids are getting taken out of the game where they're uh, being held accountable for following the rules, but they don't feel like they're in trouble. Correct. Yeah. I mean, speaking of language, like we we want to make sure we differentiate what we talk about as far as like refocus and the penalty box if we are sending kids to the penalty box um, that's something that we're trying to get them to self-monitor on their own and if we're doing the timeout or they need a refocus that we're using that oh no that they're losing some of that activity time Um, so if a student's not following direction I go oh no I'm sorry you're gonna have to go over to the refocus area that's just the language we try to use to make sure that we aren't putting students down we're just trying to make sure that they understand that what they're doing is hurting not only themselves but everybody in their class so that's the language we try to use as far as timeout versus penalty box it's just making sure that we all are on the same page we're all doing the same thing we're all trying to achieve that same goal and that's going to help your class run smoothly and management and everything like that and then after a while like you know like we always talk about all the time when we get to those fourth and fifth graders they know how things work they know how the things work they know how to handle situations and do everything themselves and they're self-monitoring and they're doing the things on themselves so just the language that you're using differentiating between the two and allowing for students to to access those things are, are going to great great ways to keep your class managed as well they know how things work but sometimes but, they don't always do things the way they should preach. even though they do know how they work yes um all right well uh hey great to get great, back man. with you marcus always man i love it I hope you guys like the new format. We're just going to do a, a random Q&A. We might have – we have a couple more subjects that we're thinking of doing like a longer form yeah, podcast yeah. Um, for some similar class to what we've done yeah, in the yeah. last you know, episodes of the podcast. Yeah. But if you got any questions for us, hit us up on social media or you can um, shoot them into us with the contact page and we'll save them for the next episode. Hope you're having an awesome walk, jog, drive planning period whatever, whatever you're, doing. you're doing whatever you're doing so um if you guys want to check out the show notes for this page this is going to be episode 16 so 16. you can head over to com slash podcast and head over to um episode number 16 and as always have fun and teach on hope you guys have an <laughs> awesome day catch you later 
Hey guys, thanks so much for listening to this episode of the Fizz Ed Q&A Show podcast. I hope it was so helpful and you got some serious value bombs out of it. Just wanted to let you know that this episode is sponsored by the PE Specialist Membership Community. It's an awesome crew of passionate PE teachers where we get together, brainstorm ideas, come to with common problems and provide feedback to each other. And we've got a ton of awesome resources like e-courses, online trainings, tutorials, a ton of unit and lesson plan samples, printable station signs, and cues posters. And I could keep on going, but I know you've got things to do. So I just wanted to let you know, if you want to check out the details and see if it might be a good fit for you, you can head on over to thepspecialist.com slash info for some more information. As always, have fun and teach on. Have a great day, guys.